The Blue Collar Plebcast is brought to you by Punchplate. Punchplate at coddle.co sells a series of high-quality, American-made 304 stainless steel backup seed phrase plates. Punchplates are compact, affordable, proven to be durable through independent testing, and easy to use. They look great, too. It has never been easier to own your own money. These plates make it affordable to set up your own multi-sig. Don't accept holding an IOU. Protect yourself and your family. Use Punchplate. Check out coddle.co. Note that coddle is a C-word. And that was the first time that I met a fat hooker. So anyway. Dude, we're recording now. Oh, oh, fuck. What's right. up, man? Don't worry, I'll cut that out. All right. How you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, So we're doing a, a special show today. We're going to talk about this podcast that came out on Tales from the Crypt. And uh, shout out to Blue... Uh, Blue Collar Plebcast Advisor Copernicus Son for pointing out this episode by Balaji Srivi, no, Srinivasan. Um, it was episode number 425. And uh, I found out that this was another guy I blacked on Twitter and Copernicus Son told me he had promoted some scams in the past. So that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, I think but, he was a Coinbase exec, wasn't he? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he was uh, an executive at Coinbase. Agree to disagree. <laughs> um, during the talk, he also cited uh, Nick Carter, which, which is kind of cringe. Did he? He did one. Must have not been listening. <laughs> what else? Yeah. Did he I mean, I was, I was, I was getting into some of the stuff, and then he's like, "Well, Nick Carter said this," and I was like, "Oh no!" But, but, um, so take this Anybody... with a grain of salt, and we're just gonna kind of go through things, kind of. Point by point that we can we can discuss because I think a lot of interesting topics came up and maybe we could save our listeners four and a half hours of listening to this thing. Yeah, that would be preferable because I'm not getting those four and a half hours back. Yeah, well, I'll just point out that that this was your idea and you you texted me and you're like, we need to listen to this. And I was like, okay, this and was I Copernicus. Then you're like, idea. fuck, this sucks. This this was Copernicus's idea, and it was your idea to ask people what they wanted us to talk about. So tech, <laughs> you know via osmosis this is your fault damn it all right it's my fault um and and in the beginning they they had their own sponsor and i think marty shouted out uh something about unchained and that they were selling this product where they had a two of three multi-sig and apparently at least in the promo they said that you kept two keys and they kept one and that's how you had a two of three system and I was thinking to myself that rather than pay them to do that, you could just go to punch plate and buy three uh, steel plates and you could separate your three yourself. And then you just saved yourself all kinds of money. Yeah. Like throw a punch plate in a safety deposit box or something. Well, yeah. Anywhere you want, just randomly. I don't see how you improve security by having a third party do it. You yeah. can have your own third party. Right. That's what I'm saying. If you wanted to just create a random third party out of thin air, you could just go to your local bank and put it in a, in a safety deposit box and there's your uninvited third party yeah there's like an infinite number of third parties you could have but yeah you uh, can always send your key to me i'll hold on to it for you right 
So another observation was Marty sounds high as fuck. Marty and... sounds like uh, he's smoking cocaine as as a as a hobby now. <laughs> uh, hope don't don't sue me. Um... <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're gonna be positive now, right? Yeah, we have to be positive. I mean, I think I'm all right. Me and Odell are pretty pretty cool with each other. So, but there's like a trend of people on these deep thinking talk shows to like smoke marijuana and seem super chill. But I'm not sure that's a good trend. That's definitely not a good trend. The problem is with that is when you're stoned, you think that you sound like a genius. You really just sound like you're stoned. Yeah, he might just be sleepy. He could have sleep apnea or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't to... know. You know what it was for me? He couldn't. In that particular episode, he tried to do it, and his voice like gave out, and I was like, "You on the pipe, Marty?" It's a red flag. You're pretty good at that, though. Hey, listen, you learn to be good about that when you uh live in a shady world so i thought this talk was pretty interesting and they started out talking about the the con of the two-part state and and he he was talking about this concept that it's it's false to assume that there's two parts two parties that keep each other in check yeah i mean i want to lead off by saying that the first hour he was incredibly intellectually lazy and nothing he said really sparked any kind of interest in me it was all like i felt like he didn't bring any information to the podcast he just brought like he kept saying hang on let me put it up here's a graph here's a here's a link to the source on that if you feel like reading it so he basically just spent four hours like listing sources for people to go read and it was kind of like it was very conceptual yeah yeah, it was very like loose and I don't want to say anything too specific because, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's just my interpretation of it. But I think that goes along with the idea that there's really just like uh, the, the plutocracy is its own central leadership and it kind of oversees both parties that are kind of supposedly competing. And I, th- I thought that was an interesting concept. Um, yeah. Then they went on and they said that one of the problems we're facing is that the debt's growing very quickly and the longer it goes and, and the bigger the debt grows, uh, the more people think that the deficits just don't matter anymore. And I think there's some of that going on. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. The problem is, the not the problem, but it's all by design, right? Like you create... Uh you create a population that is less educated um, and more sucked into like this new speak way of the world, right? Like all this social media and everything has created words, right? And you get people like really involved in that and talking that way and understanding that way. And it draws this really hard line divide between the people that are educated and can speak intellectually and intelligently and the rest of the world um so it it essentially leads to a situation where the people uh at large are like the average person trying to read the ingredients list on uh pretty much anything these days right like when you read through the ingredients on something and you can't pronounce 90 percent of what's on the label uh you end up with that same dynamic where 
you know, these people who have this really great education can talk circles around the understanding level of most of the population. Yeah, you just wonder if people who are educated are spinning more facts or if they're just adding more noise. I think they're realizing that they have this benefit of being able to say whatever they want and because we've put such an importance on not actual um how do i say this we've put importance on wisdom and not intelligence um and there's a hard line that is not drawn so much anymore these days but once was uh that separates the difference between wisdom and knowledge right that wisdom is like the the let's let's call it the things that you would learn out of a book and being able to regurgitate information that you read out of a book whereas uh intelligence is being able to expound your own ideas from information that's provided does that make sense mm -hmm. um yeah so he was talking about this concept that a lot of our financial information is being faked right now and as far as like money supplies and, and transactions it's hard to believe what's what's published and that sounds believable although I, again i don't think there's specific examples of that in the talk no there aren't and again it's to me a lot of it was classic uh, a lot of the way you see people who are trying to be influencers talk where they kind of like give these broad brush strokes of topics to make it seem that they have this profound understanding of it without actually ever saying anything that produces evidence of such an understanding. Mm -hmm. He was talking about this concept that the British empire used to run India and now that's turning around and History India in reverse. Yeah. I think he called it. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, a part of these, like in the American empire, it is, it is true that the countries that we used to dictate to are just kind of saying no and not listening to what we want anymore. I mean, I think there's examples of that though. Yeah. But I mean, I think he takes a very, I don't know, a very roundabout way of avoiding the idea of what is actually here um you know as weak as the u.s might be right now on the world scale like we're still like the center of global financial markets like you know if the u.s stock market shit the bed tomorrow that would have massive ramifications for the finance financial sectors throughout the world right um like it's not just about like what we export and having goods that we send out it's that you know a lot of the major banks in the world are located here a lot of like major major corporations that have business all over the world are located here you know people don't take into effect into effect or into account the effect that such a collapse would have on these massive industries that provide jobs and economies in other parts of the world I just think he oversimplifies it when he starts talking about like 
oh, you know, like uh, we're, we're losing power as the United States and, uh, you know, China's going to step up and China's going to take over. And it's like. You're right. It's, it's very conceptual. It's, it's really hard to put your finger on like specific examples of proof of that. Yeah, it was just, well, I mean, the, the I don't want to call it like the straw man, but like the proof that he so provided was like. Oh, you know, such and such company is trading in Yuan now and Russia's making settlements in Yuan. And it's like, yeah, okay. Okay. He was making a point that I think made sense where good guys and bad guys is kind of a vague concept because you never hear of the evils that that your allies do. Um, but you do hear of the evils that your enemies do so it gives people this, like this good versus evil kind of concept but we're, again we're only... even that is like you're just all he's doing is rewording the saying that's been around forever which is the victor writes history so like obviously you're never going to hear the bad things that the good people do because the good people are the ones writing about I mean, you'll see less of it now when he did talk about that because of the, like, um, diversification we have in information streams, right? Mm -hmm. That, like, you're not, you're not just subject to what the Sunday Times has to say anymore. Um, but, I mean, as we've seen, I mean, he talks about, like, freedom in tech and freedom in, like, places that you can post uncensored and you know he talks about like Noster and I know there's a lot of people that like love Noster and like like to suck a lot of Noster dick but like I don't know Miss, you know who Mr. Robot is on Twitter no um, so Mr. Robot works for Fountain and he also works for like Fountain App where they where you can stream podcasts. And he also works for the Beef Initiative with Texas Slim. Okay. Um, either way, pretty technical guy. And uh he he did a write-up the or not a write-up, but he did like a rage tweet the other day about how everybody was just posting retarded shit on Noster because they think it's like this private platform and that like oh it's so decentralized and he's like every single one of you that has a handle on twitter i can find you on noster without having the information you need to provide to me to find it so whatever you're doing over there isn't is you know don't be stupid the shit that you're posting over there <laughs> and it's just like you know you you make an argument that we have these you know all these diverse ways and all these things where we can get information now that we couldn't before, but like, it's all censorable, right? Like if there's something that comes out on the internet that the powers that be don't like, it will go away. <laughs> or at least mass access to such information, right? Like we saw it with like, uh, the perfect example of that is the Hunter Biden laptop shit. When all that shit came out, it was like up on Twitter, off Twitter, up on Twitter, off Twitter. Somebody else would post it, it would disappear. Somebody else would post it, it would go away. <laughs> like you could literally watch it in real time, just start disappearing from people's feeds. Did the laptop stuff come back now that Elon's in charge or, or no? Is it still silenced? I, I don't know if anybody's really tried to post about it. It's more, it's in the mainstream news now. 
Hmm. So it's not as like when that happened, it had just come out and it was like actively trying to be suppressed. Yeah. And how, how important is this information? Because, you know, you talk about the laptop, you talk about Epstein's Island. I don't think any of that information matters. I think you're absolutely right where you're going with this thought. Yeah. I mean, like everybody knows this stuff happened. Everybody but I think knows. it's, I think what's important is the lessons and the concepts that we learn from watching that happen. Mm. What I mean by that is we should learn that they have that kind of power if they want it. Mm -hmm. The subject itself is irrelevant, but the actions that we're taking around that are very important to take note of. This is why like self-custody is fucking huge. This is why non-KYC Bitcoin is so important. Right. Like there's plenty of people on Twitter that will say like, oh, yeah, who cares if it's KYC Bitcoin? Everything in your life is KYC. But like Mm -hmm. if we hit that point where, you know, they're going to come for Bitcoin. That that argument dies right there. Like the people, the Bitcoiners that win at that point are the Bitcoiners that have Bitcoin that doesn't have their name attached to it. Yeah, you don't want to be the lowest hanging fruit because when it comes down to it, they can get away with anything they want. Yeah, and we're watching them fuck with Coinbase right now. Mm. You know, what do you think the chances are that this Coinbase thing plays out and not one time does the government say, okay, we need a list of everybody who's bought off your exchange? Mm. Like, that's... I bet you they already have a big list of that, though. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is if the day comes down that they go to fight Bitcoin, the lowest hanging fruit is anybody who's bought KYC. It's the easiest thing for them to do because all they're doing is they're serving you the same way they serve you for evading taxes. Same way the IRS comes after you for like falsifying a tax return. That's what they're going to do. They're going to come after you and be like, we know you have it. Yeah. And every, you know, the, there's always like the meme, oh, like oh, I lost it in a boating accident. Like, yeah, it's a cute meme, but there's literally people sitting in jail right now that tried to say they lost it in a boating accident. The uh, judges say, I don't give a shit. You produce the keys or you're going to jail. In theory. Um, no, no, there's, there's people sitting in jail right now for not producing keys for Bitcoin. Really? Yeah. I'll send you a link for the show notes after this. Okay. There's at least two people I know of that are sitting in jail because they, one of them was a divorce. The guy was going through a divorce and his wife knew that he had a big, a big Bitcoin position Mm. and she listed it in the the divorce. And he was like, I lost the keys. And it was like millions of dollars. And the judge was like, you're going to produce it or you're going to jail. And he ended up going to jail. Because his kids were involved and it was like neglect of children or whatever for not producing that much money for yeah. for not, you know what I mean? Not dividing the assets with his wife. They don't even have to prove that he has it. Like you think it was something like that. They'd have to prove it, but they don't because the rules don't matter. Right. Yeah. And of course they can prove it. it. That's the, that's the part about Bitcoin. It's an open ledger. They can't prove that you have it though. They can prove that you bought it with a, they can absolutely prove that you have it. If you bought, if you bought on a KYC exchange, they can. No, they can prove that you bought it. 
they can prove that it went somewhere. They can't prove that you still hold it. You would have to have it. If it if it went from that exchange to a wallet address and never moved, mm-hmm. you're fucked. Well, no, because a wallet's not a physical place. It's just, you know, it's just a passphrase. Right. But I mean, you're talking in the idea that like IP addresses and shit don't exist. Hmm. If you move that via an IP address that connects back to you, mm-hmm. what's your excuse of how, how are you going to explain away that that's your wallet address when somebody used your home Wi-Fi? Well, no, they move? can't. Yeah, they can always prove that you had it at one point, but they can't prove that you still possess the key. They don't have to. All they have to do is prove that you own that Bitcoin. No, because he who possesses the key owns the Bitcoin. Show me the law that says that. I'll show you a law that says that you bought it, so you own it. But you can't show me a law that says just because you lost the key, you don't own that Bitcoin anymore. Well, I'm just especially saying. when you have people like Chain Analysis that are working actively, working with the government mm-hmm. to produce tools to do this. I spent a lot of time messing around with like OXT and um, like talking to uh, Ergo, who I don't know if. You know what? Uh, like he basically built the same tool as Chain Analysis. So, like, if you give me a transaction ID, or you give yeah, you give me a transaction ID, and I can show you everywhere those Sats went from the time they first came onto the blockchain, all the way out. And his his program can throw it all together and show you everywhere those Sats have gone and every wallet they've bounced through since they left you, unless it hits a mis- a mixing service. And then you lose it in the mix. And, and on top of that, the database, this is now this is just his tool. This isn't chain analysis tool that has unlimited money to develop. Well, wait a second. They have IP addresses on chain analysis? No, but the government can absolutely grab your IP address and then trace your internet history through your internet service provider. Okay, but they don't, they can't say that. I mean, there's no Bitcoin that goes through your internet. I mean, are they, no, are they but they can say the coins were moved off of Coinbase at this time on this date. Your IP address was on Coinbase at this time uh, on this date. Okay. All they need to do is beat a reasonable doubt. Right. So they can prove that point, but they can't, they don't know what happened to it after that. They they, they can, all they can prove is that you had it. Now you're telling me that that, that doesn't matter. No, my argument is the, the point where that doesn't matter is if you move those coins from Coinbase mm-hmm. to one wallet address, mm-hmm. right? And then those coins don't move. Say you're a hodler, like yeah. anybody else on Bitcoin Twitter. Oh, the, okay. coins, the coins go from the exchange to a wallet and they sit in that wallet. Now you go into court and they can prove that via your IP address, those coins moved off of Coinbase at yeah. such and such a time. They can mm-hmm. see that transaction from Coinbase to that wallet address and mm-hmm. the coins haven't moved since so yeah. legally you own that bitcoin well, well maybe legally but in actuality you can't prove somebody owns it because you can't prove they actually own the wallet still yeah but when has actuality ever mattered in a court of law probably right you're probably right um it's also might be a good tip to just move your bitcoin once in a while for plausible denial. oh you should you should wash all of your bitcoin I'm a big proponent of mixing. Like yeah. CoinJoin, you should 100% yeah. 
100%. Make every spend a coin join. Right? One of the good one of the good things mm-hmm. that Odell has said. Well, like, you spend, but that's different than like your like savings. You should be washing your savings. Mm-hmm. Your savings in in my opinion, if you have to buy KYC, mm-hmm. at least put some distance between you and those sats and go from the exchange mm-hmm. to Whirlpool and let them sit in Whirlpool for a while. Yeah, it's potentially dangerous though. In that you got your life savings sitting there and you're in a state and the state says, okay, from now on, wash bitcoins are legal. Like that's possible. I I guess anything's possible. So yeah. So it's I mean there's pros and cons to that. There is. Do you think it's more likely that they say just washed Bitcoin is illegal, or do you think it's more likely that they say Self-custody of Bitcoin is illegal. Hmm. Blanket statement. Yeah. It's going to be much easier for them to say self-custody is illegal and go after people for self-custody than it is to prove who has and hasn't mixed Bitcoin. Hmm. I mean, that those two rules may come together. Possibly, but at that yeah. point, illegal Bitcoin is the best Bitcoin anyway. Yeah. And the difference is the shit that got mixed, you can move. Yeah, the shit that didn't get mixed, you now can't move because they're watching it. Mm. Well, you know what the solution is to all of this? Yeah, just buy buy non KYC Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean that's that's ideal. That's ideal. Um, it's also it's also cool because you don't have to move any Bitcoin. You make friends with Jessica Hodler, and you fuck off somewhere else. Then you move the Bitcoin. That's one nice <laughs> thing about Bitcoin. Right, you can take it with you when it comes down to it. That that that's that's why uh, the use of force needs to be measured by them, because it would take an awful lot of force to stop that scenario from happening for everybody. Yeah, I think that's their last resort. Right. So, like, if it came down to it, they started arresting everybody for just holding their money. You just people aren't going to move their Bitcoin. Well, obviously, they're not, they're not going to look at do anything. Like they're going to just leave the country and it's going to follow them. Obviously, they're not going to do it like that. They're going to paint you as public enemy, public enemy number one, right? If you try to leave, you mean? No, I mean obviously they're not just going to come out and say you can't hold your own money. They're not going to paint it that way. They're going to paint it as people that own Bitcoin are unethical and people right. that own, you know what I mean. And they're going to make you, at least for the NPC populace, you're going to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. Even though you've never done it, you know, you may have never done anything bad in your life. Mm-hmm. But because you own Bitcoin, you're a bad person. So now it makes it okay for them to go after you. Yeah. And and that's the part where I think we got to be focusing our thoughts and time to, you know, make sure we're talking about those things rather than some of the other distracting things like because that attack's coming and i think i think like you say this could be an education war at that point yeah and if we're all like focusing on all this other shit that's dangerous oh yeah um i mean i own kyc bitcoin it's not like i don't own kyc bitcoin yeah but i definitely have you know there's there's other options out there and i highly recommend that you know, just because you've bought KYC Bitcoin up to this point doesn't mean there's no hope. Like, right. 
Yeah, no. There's always non KYC and there's the next versus. So yeah, non KYC is worth more for sure. I mean, it's uh, it. You know, people say that, right? People say like, "Oh, non KYC Bitcoin is worth more." Like, kind of like as like a like a laughing point, like kind of like a joking point. You know what I mean? But it's reality. Go to a Bitcoin yeah. ATM. The Bitcoin ATM is four grand over spot price. Like, <laughs> there's a reason that it's that way. If you go on BISC mm-hmm. or HODL HODL, like, it's always way above spot price. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. You, you know, money with, with money that's safer to hold and has more options makes, makes sense to be more, um, I don't know, more valuable. And there'll always be ways to spend out into other things. Mm. I always thought, gosh, when they they uh, implemented what SegWit and Lightning Network came on. How that was six years ago now, right? Wasn't yeah. Lightning supposed to be the thing that allowed for? Lightning's a clusterfuck. Yeah, Lightning was supposed to fix that supposed to and uh, i'll get hate for this but that's all right um seth for privacy which is a bitcoin guy some of the time and a monero guy most of the time um has you could be our next sponsor (laughs) never um he has a good thread on that about like the privacy issues with lightning Hmm. you know say what you want about the guy but he's he does a lot of research and he has some very sound technical stuff that he writes i disagree with him about monero but mm-hmm. the first time i ever heard him was on odell's podcast citadel in theory lightning allows for layers to be built for privacy like lightning itself doesn't need to be the privacy layer it just it it just allows for side chains and separate services. Yeah, but you know I don't like to talk about that stuff because you're getting into three theoreticals, and now we're no better than the guy we started out talking about. Yeah, it's just I, I honestly I'm surprised that six years in there hasn't been more progress in it. You ain't the only one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, back to this uh, podcast. Balaji was asking like what democracy is and that. that the state keeps pushing on us. I think that's interesting. Um, there's kind of been the shift from fighting for freedom to fighting for democracy. Yeah. 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 I can tell you're really into this article. <laughs> I just, again, it's not like, I don't know. There was nothing that he said yeah. that had that, like, like we were talking about on the last episode, right? When, like, Michael Saylor, the first time you hear Michael Saylor talk. Uh-huh. For me, anyway, and probably the people that came in around the time that I came in, like, when you hear Michael Saylor talk for the first time and you're like, whoa. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, he said some shit that's, like, fucking profound. Like, the first time you've heard it and you're like, well, like these new, I it, I guess it's really anybody that presents new ideas and you hear that new idea and you're like, wow, that's really good. Right. 
Like it's a talking point that I haven't heard. And I, there was just none of that. Hmm. It was all just like, I don't know, moderately center right babble. What do you think of this idea that woke America, like failing American empires, similar to the end of the Soviet Union? Did you get any of those parallels? Uh, yeah, but I think for different reasons than he was talking about. But yeah. Hmm. We did kind of go from the coolest country in the world to like the most uptight country in the world. Well, we're killing ourselves from the inside out. We're, we're giving ourselves cancer from the top down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you talk about how like all these all these other outside matters don't really matter and that like uh you know the important thing is like fix the money fix the world um i agree (sighs) excuse me i agree to a point but like at the same time you have to take some recognition of like the societal and cultural cancers that are like thriving right now in the country if for nothing else to give you a really accurate um barometer of where the country's at mm-hmm. right like culturally we are uncomfortably close to like weimar germany yeah i i don't want to come off and th- say that these social issues aren't important but i just don't think they get fixed unless we focus on the money i agree um, and I, I think us pointing think out how how big of a deal they are distracts us from that message. See, I don't. I think pointing out how bad they are gives you an accurate sense of where we are on the scale of like present day to full collapse mm-hmm. of that system that will then allow us to fix the money. Yeah. Right. Because you can, we're only ever going to be able to fix it after the collapse. The coll- it's not going to, they're not just going to wake up one day and say, guys, listen, we're really not interested in like having a monopoly on money anymore. And we'd like to uh, open up free market on money. Yeah. Um, he talked about that too. Yeah. He he made the point that Jimmy Kimmel went from being this this funny Joker guy to being a statist, and I agreed with that. Yeah, but he also made like lukewarm points about how like tech's so hated by the powers that be, and um, I think that was completely heavily skewed by his history in like the tech industry. Mm. Like I I can't stomach listening to someone try to convince me that tech is hated by the powers that be when the powers the tech the major tech companies are just the propaganda arm of the government yeah that's like, true he made it like a us versus them kind of thing and they were kind of the same thing yeah yeah, yeah. like you have you have zuckerberg testifying to congress lying to congress for the cia yeah because in the plutocracy they're not enemies And you can tell just by how they treat each other. 
Yeah, and he uh, it was a lot of like whitewashing trying to make like Silicon Valley out to not be leftist. When okay. Sil- Silicon Valley is like the cancer of America, the epicenter yeah. of where the cancer bleeds from. Like everybody knows who everybody who is even relatively involved with like coding and stuff, a lot of the big like names of like people who are like real deal hackers and shit are fucking dudes that want to cut their dicks off they're like purple haired fucking trannies a lot of these like really good coders are like fucking complete whack jobs remember our talk about not getting in trouble yeah i don't care um (laughs) you can't get blood from a stone frito He was talking about how when the USSR was dying, it was trying to copy the USA because the USA was winning. And now the USA seems to be trying to copy China in a lot of ways. Which I didn't, I don't know if I agree with that. Sell me on that idea. Well, he, he was making points about things like censorship growing and nationalism growing. I, I know you're not big on that one, right? Um, I just he don't was talking see... about how you squeeze nationalism Hmm. in two more years if um if biden wins re-election in two more years i'll agree with that statement okay well socialism is growing um the he he was saying that there was a state takeover of tech companies that i really didn't see I think it's probably the other way around where companies are taking over the state, or at least the people who own the companies are taking over the state. Um, and he was talking about a growth in uh, social credit and uh, cancel culture. Um, and, Again, and, all like 2020 talking points. Yeah, but Twitter mobs and lockdowns. So, so he's just saying that like U.S. is converging more towards a China system. I... I mean, I, I guess it sounds kind of like uh, Chicken Little-ish to me. Nobody, nobody's disappearing, or not in at least mass numbers, where they're just like wiping out movements of people. Hmm. I guess they are. I don't know. We Maybe talked about a couple of examples where people you knew disappeared for things they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was saying that if we don't figure out Bitcoin, we're going to get a social credit score, which I think we kind of already have at least a partial score, right? Yeah, I mean, we have it. It's called a fucking credit score. The credit score. It's part of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let, let me explain what I mean by that. Hmm. Uh, credit score is a good tool for somebody who has fucked up uh, credit wise in the past. Okay, good tool to save people who are lending money or selling a high dollar item that needs somebody to pay them back for it. Uh, Good tool in that aspect. Bad tool in the aspect uh, that I found myself in three years ago where I lived a cash life my whole life. So I couldn't fucking buy anything because I had no credit. Right. Right. So it's a shitty system in the way that like you can be you can I, I understand I understand and I I can already read your minds. <laughs> I understand that yes, it works 
in a positive way that it saves them from somebody who hasn't proven themselves as a borrower. But no, that's not what I was going to say. It works because they don't care if they're not trying to help you. Like this score is not for you. It works because they want people to borrow money and be encouraged to get in debt and make trackable transactions. It works because it disincentivizes you from doing what you're doing, not because they want to help you, because they want to control you more. Makes sense. It's it's effective for what they want. Yes. It's just a fucked system when you like when you look at it through the lens of the person who's never done anything wrong gets treated exactly the same as the person who fucked up real bad. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are incentivized to fuck up bad. Yeah, I mean, I think being rewarded able, even, yeah. Being able to claim bankruptcy. Uh-huh. He was making the point that Democrats don't marry Republicans, so the ideology becomes biology. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Kind of true. I don't know. I live in a fucked up demographic to try to have like any kind of... He said there was data that existed for it, so I guess we'll have to take his word on it because I'm not going to look it up. But Yeah, I wasn't um, aware of the data, but yeah. There's like... I know several married couples in my town that are you know on both sides my mother was on one side my father was on the other side so i don't know and i grew up mostly my mother got divorced a bunch of times i grew up mostly with my mother and like my mother like is very much the polar opposite of anything i believe um so I don't know if like being around necessarily, it doesn't mean you're going to grow up and be what your parents are for political views. I think if anything, it's the opposite. Most kids mm. grow up, move out of the house and try to be the opposite of whatever their parents were. Especially in like our generations, our generations, kids moved out and had a chip on their shoulder and wanted to be the opposite of what their parents were. So I mean it's generational. It probably has to do with being in a different portion of like the fourth turning cycle, right? You get you get born into just a different era of prosperity and uh, Yeah, I think it was I mean there was a freedom. big push. There was a big push to destroy the family anyway. So when you take a big push to destroy the family along with that comes pitting the youth against their parents. I thought Balaji asked a couple of good questions. You said, that, does the U.S. have an invincible military and can the U.S. print infinite money without consequences? Again. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Kind yeah, of a hollow question. More philosophical. Yeah, but, and it's more it's like an intelligence test. But can he we was making infinite money and will it matter? Fucking of course not. But anybody who doesn't know anything about economics is gonna be like the stupid fucking e thought on uh TikTok saying, I don't care about the fucking inflation, yeah. yo. Just print That's that fair. money, send me a check. But he was like, talking about how the US who spends more than the next ten countries combined, maybe it's nine, on the military, they had this Iraq war and Afghanistan, and basically they didn't win. And he's he said we spent eight trillion dollars. Um Assad won the Syrian civil war, the Taliban control Afghanistan, Iraq's now trading in the yuan. This brings on a whole different 
argument though uh-huh. because one could just as easily argue that the reason that we didn't win iraq or we didn't win afghanistan is because the vic to the victor or the the victor is always the person who's willing to go and do the things that their opponent isn't mm-hmm. right that's the way war has always been so you think that we showed restraint and, and that's why well, we, didn't we just dominate that i'm not saying that it's not right but i'm making the point that when you have somebody who's willing to strap a bomb vest on a child mm-hmm. and blow up a vehicle because the victory is more important than someone's life mm-hmm. and then you have us who we the u.s military did all kinds of terrible shit in iraq and afghanistan right mm-hmm. but we wouldn't blatantly bomb an orphanage that we know of right but if what we I'm did saying... then you'll get arrested for saying we did <laughs> yeah but what i'm saying is the other side didn't care yeah the other side would kill a puppy on live tv because they were fucking beheading people on fucking al jazeera tv like if if we were good that way then then great but now we're like posturing with like russia and china and and that you know we, we probably shouldn't be having any kind of threat of like military action unless like the problem was he was like invading our homeland his argument was do we have an invincible army well you know if we wanted to go on the ground against russia and then you know go on the ground against china and taiwan too we couldn't win on two fronts what kind of stupid straw man argument is that i don't care how big your military is you can't fight everybody on the planet obviously you can't fight the two biggest superpowers on the planet at the same time on two separate fronts it seems incredibly dumb to have any kind of notion that that we should be involved in being anywhere close to fighting either one of them correct it's also why it'll never happen and it's just all fear porn well at the end of the day mm -hmm. the main world leaders care about one thing maintaining power power. war is not good for maintaining power especially war with a formidable opponent that's why russia when it went into ukraine Russia went into Ukraine for whatever fucking reason Russia went into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But you can bet your ass that if China did something that pissed off Russia, Russia's not going to invade China. There's no money to be made there. What you're saying makes sense. But do you think that our leaders are way smarter than they appear? No. Because there's not a lot of common sense there. So that, that makes the whole thing scary. Absolutely. I th- I don't think our leaders do. But I think those other countries' leaders. Yeah, but when we start posturing up, they have to respond. Right, but at what cost? I'm not sure they really care all that much. I mean, I think they do. I've had this discussion with somebody before. Can't remember who it was, but the the even the idiots that are in power in the United States. Mm-hmm. aren't going to do anything that's going to risk affecting their quality of life. 100% they're not going to do that. So they may posture to a certain point, but they're never going to posture to the point that would get like a cruise missile 
fired at the continental United States. Mm -hmm. Cause that is going to dramatically affect their quality of life. We, we live in a country where if our leader says something moronic and gets us close to nuclear war, like that's fine. But if you get like a blowjob in the oval office, you're going to get impeached. Right. Well, it depends. I mean, if you were getting a blowjob from a, from like a tranny in the Oval Office, you'd probably get a third term. Especially if you did it with like a, like a pride power flag in the background or like draped over the American flag. You're probably getting a third term. I'm going to officially disagree with your joke. Um, just, just for the record. Um, for the record, I do not want to be associated with that joke. Good, distance myself from that joke. If you, anybody heard me snicker in the background, that wasn't me. Um, so he made a good point that a declining state has the power to hurt you, but not to help you. I thought that was kind of interesting because that seems to be playing out. So, for example. They're not doing a very good job picking people up, but if you stop out of line, they can still put you in jail. I don't know if I agree with that. Again, okay. it's painting with a broad brush. Well, look at BLM. Well, who'd they help? Themselves. Right. With so again, millions and millions of dollars of government incentive money. Oh, they created all these little side businesses that were uh, fucking trans rights organizations and all that shit got funded via um, the government yeah. via grants. Just, I mean, that was that was cronyism, though. That's not the government helping people. No, no, no. You're not hearing me. That's government helping a specific class of people. So to go and just say that a dying government can't help anybody. Uh-huh. isn't true because right. you know pride has become our national religion mm -hmm. so if you happen to fall under the umbrella of something in that area then they are more than happy to pick you up put you on your feet build you a business give you grants give you money it, se it seems likely that that money didn't help a class of people though it seems like it just helped some cronies in a group under the guise of helping a class of people that's how they usually do things yeah absolutely but that that particular group is smiled upon by the government. One of the things I've I've been thinking about is that the killer one of the killer apps of Bitcoin is that it keeps the government from helping anybody. Right, and, and a lot of people say, "Oh, that's terrible," but actually, like there's a <laughs> there's a a big net good that happens when the government's not allowed to help anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Most social programs are a fucking scam. Um, Anybody who's ever lived in a major U.S. city can mm -hmm. tell you that most social programs are a scam, if they're willing to be honest. You can walk to any corner bodega and trade your food stamps for 75 cents on the dollar in cash. Mm -hmm. So arbitraging it. Yeah. Section eight houses with people that work cash jobs. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a red flag that we can't build. He was using an example like every half hour or so we'd build a B-52 bomber during World War II with inferior technology. And now it takes us like 10 years to build a bus stop. Like there's some truth to that. Yeah, but that's all greed. 
that's all greed and labor unions and regulations, which we've talked about many times. That's a system full of parasites. That yeah, it's what it is. Is it's the exact. I'm gonna tie this into something else too that I've wanted to bring up. Oh shit! This is yet another example that the government took very very detailed notes watching the italian mafia operate and a lot of what they did the government does now that example of a bus stop taking 10 years to get built is because everybody has to get their piece on the Mm -hmm. way down oh yeah that's what they paved a road in the next town over not long ago and it was like 1.3 million dollars to pave a fucking mile and a half of asphalt or something. And it took two years. Yeah. So, but, but fiat is enabling all the cronies and middlemen to siphon value away from society. Yes, absolutely. From the top down. Absolutely. And it doesn't stop when you get your money. <laughs> right. They've... The government has always had a very talented way of saying rules for thee and not for me. Right. In a very nuanced way of saying it. Um, And that that's kind of the other thing that I wanted to bring up on that topic of like the mob, right? They, the, the lottery system in the United States is a ripoff of the mafia. Back in the day, the mob did a thing called the numbers where you would pick some numbers and you would give them to the runner in the neighborhood and he would take them to the local bar, the club, the deli, wherever it was, and they would pick numbers. And when they picked the numbers, if your numbers came up, you got whatever, whatever the payout was for that week. Sound familiar? That's Powerball. Yeah. So what the government did is the government saw what they were doing and saw the money they were making and stepped in and said, that's illegal. You can't do that. And they set up the lottery office. That makes so sense. now they sell tickets to mm-hmm. the numbers and they make all the money because they do it nationally. It's the same as just shaking down the deli operator on the street. It's the same thing. Exactly. And you see it time and time and time. And there's so many examples of it in government that all the things that are made out in Hollywood movies to be these terrible things that these criminals did are just done by people in suits now. Mm-hmm. with a, a regulation or a, a law to say that they can do it. I mean, there's people really trying to work hard and, and solve problems and give value, but when all their value is being siphoned off, like their rewards being siphoned off, it's not worth it for them to hustle anymore. And then, you know, stuff just doesn't get done and now we can't build bus stops. Yeah, that's the trickle down effect of it. Yeah. I'd and, say it, it starts with things like the lottery and it ends with $10 million bus stops. <laughs> and the problem is the only way they have to improve inefficiencies now is to print more money, which is the thing that's causing the problem in the first place. So it's just, it's just kind of mathematically has to get worse. Yeah. It's the only thing they have left. I mean, they wore out for uh, fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. They rode that horse until it was dead. Um, he was talking about the empire ending and he was talking about like getting America off of empire's inevitable 
and necessary, but it's going to be painful. So either America just fails or it decides to give up its grip on other territories and stop funding them because we can't afford it. And then America does better. I think was where he was going with that. Yeah, that won't happen. Right. I think. It was the last time the government decided to spend less money. Right. Well, they can't because all their cronies depend on it. So I think that seeing as how we're not going to stop spending money, it's going to go in a bad direction. Um, the state can save itself by spending less money and adopting a Bitcoin standard, which they will not do, of course. But that's like the only way I could see the state really surviving without everything just kind of going into chaos. Unless they try to fool everybody into going to a CBDC system. Well, they already are. They have Fed now. Which doesn't actually solve anything. So it just still spins into chaos. Probably yeah, faster. I think, I think Fed now is the first step in the direction of a CBDC. Yeah. And Balaji was talking about that a little bit on this talk. Yeah. Puts itself in the middle of every transaction. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to really solve problems. It's going to speed the disintegration of everything, right? Well, it's the first step because once they put themselves in the middle of every transaction, they can say you're going to convert over to this money being a CBDC. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, we're just going to block all your transactions you try to make with something else. So he was talking about this economic collapse that seems to be going on. And he was talking about how AI takes over um, blue collar jobs and never going to happen. It's happening. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of jobs going away. Nah. There's a lot of tech jobs going away. I can tell you right now, though, I work in construction. We had never been this busy. My father's been in business 35 years. He's never been this busy. Everybody's well, building. All the builders are out two years. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking for help. Everybody's hiring carpenters, plumbers, electricians. You can get a job in any trade right now with mm -hmm. zero experience. Yeah, but I think so a lot it's of hard them... for me to see that. I'm sure other people live in in a part of society where they see it. I just don't see it. Have you been to a Panera Bread lately? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, if you go to Panera Bread, you know, they, used, <laughs> they used to have like a bunch of like cashiers, and now they just have kiosks. There's like one cashier. Nobody's there because everybody prefers the kiosk because the worker's miserable anyway. I don't know if that's a blue collar job though, is it? Uh. Well, labor, like, I don't know. Uh, cashier is a little labor. There's a lot of cashiers, a lot of secretaries, a ton of these people. Um, you know, a lot of I guess even I'm healthcare providers are going to get replaced. Yeah. I think it's going to happen faster than people think. Like, even, even if you go skiing and you go I, to buy like a ski ticket, like a lift pass, it's like a robot. <laughs> There's not a person there for that anymore. I see the trades being yeah the trades farming being like the last bastions of things that can't mm -hmm. be done by ai construction is big now um there's a dearth of um, homes available to buy and everybody wants to buy a house but what what happens when the money dries up what happens when the savings run out and and the credit runs out again i live in a place that had i don't understand that effect doesn't happen here 
So I'm not a I'm I'm not a good example of somebody that can talk about that. I feel like people around me are like running out of funds to to build things. It's it's there's like a lag that happens after COVID. Like COVID, like a lot of stuff happened, and just people had buffers. And I think the buffers are still running out, but I I think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. I know that. But again, like I said, I, I it would be like if, I don't know, I, I live in a resort town. Like there's not necessarily a resort town, I guess, but I live in like a, the kind of money that people have here is not like, they'd survive anything short of like the stock market crashing. This is like their third or their fourth house and they come here one week out of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like Long Island, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, I, I mean, that's probably a big reason why I see the environment that I see in construction. Mm-hmm. There's tons of construction going on. There's tons of people looking for help. I'm super busy. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with it. But Not like even, Buffalo, Buffalo's just dying. <laughs> all major cities are dying slowly. Um, even when like the housing collapse hit. Like, I... or the, or like the real estate, real estate market started tanking. Mm-hmm. property values here didn't they just don't i don't it's almost like the, the people joke like some of the realtors in town joke that it's like recession proof here obviously that's not true but like i don't know shit just always seems to go up one of the things that Pelashi was talking about was how there's an increase in homeless people because people can't afford their rent anymore and they're defaulting and there's this thing that they're, there's a seed they're planting now. I don't know if you saw the New York City mayor, but he was saying that people should start thinking about taking in these migrants and, and homeless people if they have extra rooms. And he's like, I'm thinking about bringing somebody into my mayor's mansion too. Um, obviously, it's just posturing, but I feel like they're planting that seed. And and Balaji thought in the future, uh, if, if there's another real estate crisis, which there probably will be, because this is kind of like really kind of paralleling yeah, we've been setting up for one all that yeah. shit with BlackRock buying real estate. So he says he could see a scenario, and this kind of makes sense, where the Fed has to step in to support those mortgage securities, so the banks don't go under. So they start buying up other people's like mortgage mortgages, and then they can make make a law and say, well, we own a portion of your house, so so everybody with extra rooms needs to needs to house somebody that that doesn't have a house like <laughs> he said that that might be possible and gosh after everything that's been happening i wouldn't put it past him and then you hear the mayor say something like that you're like why is he saying that yeah i mean get out of the city yeah just i mean if you live in a city it's yeah stacking bitcoin definitely important you know what's more important get in the fuck out of the city get out because that is sage advice the worst fucking place to be at this time in the the arc of american history is a major city absolutely awful positioning because all the worst shit is gonna happen there first and the Mm -hmm. further you get away the, the further along down the timeline you're going to be affected. That makes sense. 
So when you when he starts talking about shit like that, and I mean, yeah, maybe maybe you can see shit like that, but you're never gonna see that in a small fucking town. You're not right, right. They need the, the you and the I'll I'll go into that a little bit and say that the reason you're not gonna see that is because the people that need a room given to them also need to be able to walk to a store and you know they need public transportation and they need they need all these things that don't exist out here like you can't i live in a town where you can't get doordash (laughs) uber doesn't come out here like that kind of place like that's where your your goal in life should be to get somewhere like that you know, especially if you have the the ways and means to earn fiat, like drive the extra 20 minutes to go to work. Yeah, no, I, I think that's important to consider. People underestimate the importance of that. Um, he made an interesting point. I think maybe even you could agree with this. Um, he said that the Baltics were the earliest country to break off from the Soviet Union. And financially, they ended up doing the best because the countries that exited the ruble the earliest uh, um, did the best financially. And the laggards end up paying all the debt. Yeah, that's going to be the Bitcoiners. Yeah, so on an individual level, that's the Bitcoiners. They exited early, right? They opted out. Yeah, but you're going to see it at a state level too. Like he That's was what he said. About, yeah. Again, this is again my problem. He agreed with you. No. He agreed with Cynthia Loomis is who he fucking agreed with. She was talking about this in 2020, 2021, probably 21. Mm-hmm. Like during the bull run, she was talking about this, about putting Wyoming is where she is, I think. Yeah. Putting Wyoming on a Bitcoin standard or making it legal tender in in Wyoming. And I'm sure you know what follows that. What follows that is banks that sell Bitcoin and hold a ledger. Like it was just, again, recycled gobbledygook from fucking two, two years ago. It sounds cool to people who just, you know, who are here new, but anybody who's been here and you know what I'll say right now, let me say it right now. Uh, and Hans has probably made me this cynical because I can hear him in my head as I'm saying all of this. This is how he talks about Safe Dean. This is how he talks about a bunch of people. So, but anyway, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that was what I thought of when he started talking about that. I'm like, yeah. I really like Safe Dean most of the time. (laughs) But he made the point that once the Baltics exited, um, everything fell apart pretty quickly because they showed that it could be done. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, but me and you talked about what well, we talked about an episode before this came out. And it was the same shit about right. how you're going to see states become their own, you know, independent from. And that was where he, you know, when he took this thought to a conclusion, that was the conclusion that he came to. Right. He went through like this long fucking right. half hour spiel. About, yeah, we did ours in 90 minutes. He did his in four and a half hours. Right. But he probably cool, took. Though a half hour or 40 minutes to, to get from what if states, you know, what if a state like Florida starts selling Bitcoin from the bank, right? Mm-hmm. To 
the conclusion of states are going to break away from the red states are going to make a break away from the blue states and the red states will be better off because they break away from the main government. Me and you were talking about that a fucking month ago. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see states secede because they don't want to go down with the ship. And it's not like we were the ones that broke that idea. You know what I mean? Like that's, I feel like we were the common idea. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. I'll take credit for it. He's probably a listener. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I, but I think, uh, yeah, right. I think that Copernicus-san brought this up to us because we were talking about similar things last yeah. week. So that's kind of cool. Um, he was talking about how failing states are going to try to uh, barricade the exits and rob you as you exit. And that's that's one thing that Bitcoin really some, helps with. He also said some fucking thing about how during COVID you couldn't get into fucking such and such. You couldn't get into other states because of lockdown met. I travel between three separate states for work weekly, and I've never passed a checkpoint or a fucking. That's true. It wasn't hard to really drive between states. I could just mm-hmm. right how how when yeah. they started talking about that, I remember having that conversation with my wife when they started yeah. talking about like COVID restrictions and lockdowns and everything. I'm like, how are they going to do that? I off the top of my head, I can think of fucking twelve different roads that lead into. The, you know the next state over you're not going to cover every road and every place you can cross but this uh 2025 passport requirement or whatever license you need to travel between states is really kind of scary and it's kind of it's not between states it's to fly to fly between states yeah domestically yeah but you could drive yeah you could huh what if they implant that you know system implement that system and then they you know, add it later because they have the system, right? Just just adding systems like that is concerning. Yeah, I don't know. It's the what if game is a little exhausting. Well, they're they're moving in a bad direction in terms of domestic travel. They are, but this is the place where I agree with you, where it's better to focus on fixing how what allows them to do that as opposed to worrying about what they might. That's awesome. I'd like completely Jedi mind tricked you into agreeing with me. Just so fucking you know. gaslighted me for the last yeah. four episodes, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, "Fuck like yeah!" You. Um, so he made a, he made a cool point where he was talking about many fiat currencies, and they're not really separate assets; they're just derivatives of the dollar. That that sounded kind of true. He said, "There's only three things that matter: it's the Chinese yuan, the U.S. dollar, and Bitcoin. Was Everything he the else one is that fiat. was talking about money too." And about mm-hmm. what is money and how we have to. Oh no 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 no, no never mind. I was That's Breed Love. To... No no no. I was listening. You were watching to... Breed Love, weren't you? Fuck Breed Love. You're not gonna rope me into your admission that you fucking signed up for for Breed Love's fucking thing. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Yeah, you did it uh, too. Absolutely not. Um, it was Ron Paul and some other guy having a debate on Bloomberg about uh, currency and about printing more money and how it's not going to fix anything and the other guy was like oh it'll fix everything but he was talking about like oh we have to agree with what money is because you know money isn't just the u.s dollar it's all these other things that we consider money and just him like trying to talk his way around but talk about things that's just derivatives of the dollar like all, all fiat currencies are kind of derivatives of the u.s dollar except the chinese yuan is becoming its own player Yeah. Um, the ruble is too, isn't it? 
Um, is Saudi going to settle in the ruble or no? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I they're all kind of just fake state money. I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I from the it, it seems like the ruble is becoming less important. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't really know a lot about it. Either do I, and I I don't pay that much attention to fiat currencies, but <laughs> he was talking about. Um, the left versus right thing, and I think that this is something for conservative people to pay attention to, is there's a, there's a fair point that blue states are generally more wealthy than red states. So when they print more money, the blue states gain in wealth at the expense of the red states. And that could be a, a reason why um, you're seeing this shift in the balance of power. I think you see a shift in the balance of power because when the government prints money and is eagerly trying to give it out, that the blue states create programs and or situations where they can receive such money from the government, if that's what you mean. Yeah, but they also can lobby for state, it because they've got more economic power. Because... Yeah, but red states wouldn't lobby. Here, here's the deal. So conservatives that are in power are not actually conservatives, but the people who vote for them because they are the conservative option are much more actually conservative. The people who are actually conservative in their beliefs aren't going to are going to do everything they can to never take a government handout. So you see that money flowing more into blue states because blue states are much more likely to be standing around with their handout as opposed to red states that are going to work and trying to earn an honest dollar so it's like doubly effective like if they're wealthier to start with the cantian effect benefits them more and then they're actually seeking it more actively although i'm not sure red, red people aren't but if you're saying they're more seeking it then there's a couple of different mechanisms where money printing thus government handouts is is strengthening blue over red So for people who are conservatives, who are like, not you, but like my other friends, they're very focused on these conservative issues. And it's really important for them if they want to maintain their grip on those conservative issues to focus on the money. Yeah. Like they don't, see also, why, they don't see why they're getting weaker. I'll, I think you also see that flow of money because like I said, uh, government there's a lot of government incentive to push the now thing. Um, and if you more so now really than ever before, something that's like big in pop culture, right? Like uh, the gender shit or whatever. Um, but like businesses and quote unquote nonprofits that are involved in that industry tend to be based in blue states. So when they start passing these laws and these bills where they're handing out all kinds of grants for these things because they're ESG compliant or because they're, uh, ec um, what is that equitable? Uh, what the hell is that? Not ESG, but the other one. Oh, diversity. DI, I think it's called diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. So they're more based in blue states, the, the companies that are trying to appease ESG and stuff like that. And you get government incentives for meeting certain milestones and shit like that. I think the more... Actually, now that I think about it, I think no, no matter which color state you live in, it has more to do with which color is running the country. If blue is running the country and you live in a blue state, more money tends to flow into blue states. Um, probably majority of it still flows into blue states under a red regime, but more money would flow into red states under a red regime because they're going to try to push um, government incentives to their voter base. Hmm. You're saying that in 2008, they warned about the Fed warned of a mild recession being possible, and now they're warning of a mild recession being possible. Yay. <laughs> um, and he says that when a rich country suddenly becomes poor, you start seeing things like face tattoos, random shootings, and people with nothing to lose. No lies detected there. Okay. I think that kind of shit examples, but I get what he's trying to say. Mm. You see a you see a complete deterioration of society. Unhealthier people, unhappy people, people who don't respect other people. Yes, this is bad. I think we notice it more now because what was happening in the cities. 20 years ago is finally bleeding its way out to rural America and the cities have just become something straight out of a movie. Yeah. So it's much easier to see, but I think it's been going on for a long fucking time. A long time. I mean, people are shooting dope in the streets in the fucking eighties. It's not like, you know, if you went to skid row in the eighties, people were strung out laying on the ground, throwing up on themselves. It's not like it's an overly new thing. Well, that's the notes I had on the article. I mean, I, I agree. There wasn't like a lot of specific examples. Maybe it's because he was showing it to him on the video feed. Um, but I, I probably think probably heavily was... autistic and just like has a hard time staying on topic. But there was a lot of, um, I don't know, I think there's a lot of good discussion points in there. Yeah, I agree. And I would love to see a lot of the discussion points that he brought up expounded on. Um, by somebody with some original views on it that would be like really cool um, but I just don't think there was a whole lot of like original thought that happened there was like four hours of shallow reasoning I hope Copernicus son is happy that, that we spent four and a half hours listening to that and then like another hour and a half talking about it yeah thanks bro appreciate you <laughs> Think, when you um, wasted four and a half hours of your life only to realize he was trolling you because he listened to it first. I think he wants us to read Mastering Bitcoin next. Yeah. <laughs> Joke's on him because I can't read. Um, well, any any uh, closing thoughts, sir? Um, no, I think I got it all out. Me too. I feel I feel good about it. I, th I, th I think I think we... Uh, did a, a pretty solid overview. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, obviously, shout out to Coddle Co. and uh, Reaper Cash. Thank you guys for uh, hooking us up. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. 
Um, and I will look forward to doing this again next week, man. Yes, sir. I'll see you Monday. This was two in one week, so <sighs> hope they get their fill this week because I ain't got I ain't got two in me another week coming up. It's gonna be it. You're gonna get one a week after this. That's all you get. All right, I'll consider myself warned. Till morale and uh donations improve, you get one show a week. <laughs> <laughs> How much did Copernicus son donate to us to have us spend six hours on this each? Uh exactly. He sent me a bill for four and a half hours of my life. Oh, okay. That sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. Later. my old friend I've come to talk with you again Even though words can be deceiving Our voice is undeniably pleasing And this podcast that is streaming to your brain just like cocaine Come and hear why Bitcoin fixes this On Bitcoin Twitter you walked alone Wasted hours staring at your phone A net positive is no Miami shitcoin conference I'll see and I talk about whatever the fuck we want We are savants The cool plebs listen to The blue collar podcast On the podcast website I saw Two hundred downloads, maybe more. People searching for real signal. Jokes on them, but at least we'll make you giggle. I'll see meditating in the shower about the show. Picturing freedom. Listen or don't, go up yourself.